Welcome to Outdoor Explorer. I'm your host, Adam Verrier, and today I'm out skiing at the Hillside Trail System here in the eastern side of Anchorage. And I've come across Tom Corbin. Tom Corbin was involved in the, uh, he was instrumental in the development of these trails and the cutting of these trails about 50 years ago. This year is the 50th anniversary of these trails, and I'm really happy to, uh, to have met Tom out here and get a chance to talk to him. He's our guest today on Outdoor Explorer. Tom, thanks for coming out and uh, skiing with me today. Oh, my pleasure. So, Tom, maybe could you start by uh, telling us a little bit about this trail system? Just the general, the general stuff. Where are we? What's the story with this place? This trail system was developed. It started in uh, 19, August 1971 when they opened up Service Hand Shoe Junior Senior High School. They, uh, Lou Strutz was the city parks and recreation director, and he was responsible for the permits and stuff, which were a lot easier to get back then than now. You kind of just went and did it. Uh, I, I view these trails as a testament to Coach Sven Wick in Western State College of Colorado, because he coached Dick Mize, Jim Mahaffey, Jim Burkholder, whom I view as the godfathers of cross-country skiing in Anchorage and Alaska, and they're instrumental in developing these. Also, uh, Sven coached Tom Besh and myself, who were hired as 23-year-old, just graduated college graduates to coach running and skiing here. Solid Woods, when we, uh, we started out here, cut right into the first woods, the first 5K. Trails were a lot more narrow, a lot rougher back then. Uh, the See, Nordic Club has done a wonderful job with the gift they have given all of us to enjoy up here. There have been a lot of changes, but this is a really, truly special place for me to be out here, Adam. And thank you for acknowledging all the people who helped make it happen. Well, we, so we're here on the ski trail system and today we're skiing on a ski only trail. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the trail system here? How does, how does the ski trail fit in with the overall scheme of, of all the trails? I mean, it's not only ski trails out here, right? Exactly. Um, it was the ski community who got all of this started. And that's why they developed, you know, the ski specific trails. But there, there's a lot of other wonderful activities that have evolved in Alaska. Fat biking and, and people who ride their horses on multi-use trails and stuff. And that's a lot of that has developed as an offshoot on this. And one thing I'm pleased with how the groups have all, despite their differences, kind of come together, you know, to work and make it all work together, the different aspects. Well, so we have uh, we have mountain biking trails here. We're in Far North Bicentennial Park, uh, and that is one of the. Uh, that's a. It's a huge park. It's a huge uh, area that's used for a variety of uses. Um, where's how does this trail fit in uh, with that with oh, that I, system? You have to forgive me. I'm a senile old man, but. <laughs> The best of my understanding, this trail system, what we're on right now, is all on municipal land. 
okay. which used to be Greater Anchorage Area Borough. And that's what uh, Lou Strutz, who was related to Wally Hickel, he had getting the permit and getting it started, and it was because he had a son, Billy Strutz, who was one of the, the premier junior skiers in Alaska when the school opened. And that's but it was Lou Strutz with uh, technical paperwork, and then uh, the three godfathers, Mize, Mahaffey, Burkholder, and also I'd like to acknowledge two of the special families, George and Judy Moorline. Judy was president of the Ski Association, and Don and Marion Richter. Uh, those families, you know, they organized and got all of the, the other families and the kids at service out here with chainsaws and Pulaski's, you know, to start this trail system. And so why, why did you feel there was a need to start? Was it because of the ski team that you felt that there was a need to build a trail system here? And what was skiing like? Actually, let me ask you, uh, what was the environment like up here as far as, I mean, early 70s, 1971, late 1960s? Service High School was here, but were there a lot of subdivisions up in this part of town? No, or was it mostly forest? Nothing. And where we're at right now, the burn area, I got a picture of that, but this was all... Two years after we started, it was all, it used to be called the burn area. Forest fire swept through here. Yeah, and we've just entered the, an area of kind of short trees, uh, about 100 yards back or so. When did the burn come through? That was 73. 73. Summer of 73. So you already had the trail cut, and yeah, then the yeah. whole place burned down. Yes. Huh. And uh, how did that affect the ski trail system at the time? Did it affect it much, or well, did it not? Well, yeah, really? it, you know, you noticed it for two or three years for the running races and more than the ski races. But that's about the time that the Nordic Club started getting even more organized and they started developing and using machinery to smooth out and widen the trail. Okay. That right there is the cutoff for Barney's Knob where you come up out of the swamp down below. Okay. That's the way the outgoing trail used to go. And that's Barney was uh, was Barney on the ski Griffith. Team. Barney Griffith. Yeah, yeah I think we know him from his mountain running exploits. Yeah, 14 sub 50 minute uh, mountain marathon times, which I don't know if that's it's phenomenal. He's 64 now, and he's still running seven eight minutes under his age. Which, <laughs> right. That doesn't happen often. No, it doesn't. Well, that's so a lot of kids. That's the other thing. There's been so many kids you know, who've made the Olympics, who've gone on to win Mount Marathon, like Billy Spencer, Nancy Pease, you know, and who are in the Sports Hall of Fame, who helped develop these trails, who went to service high school. So tell me about the, how, how did this come to be? I understand that the Moorlines, uh, perhaps the Richters and some other families, they wanted a ski trail system for their uh, close by, accessible for their kids. And we had Russian Jack, but a lot of, and the biathlon, there was a trail up at the biathlon unit up in Arctic Valley. Okay. And we'd ski out at, some races out at Moose Run, but there was not Kincaid. Kincaid didn't go in till 73. Because that was a military base. Military it was the, base. The Nike uh, launch site. Yep. 
yep. two years after this one. So this one's actually older than than uh, Kincaid, even though Kincaid is now considered the jewel. Yeah. But this one is even more special than my mind and heart. And this is where you've spent most of your time skiing over oh, yeah. the past. I was on the U.S. ski team, 68-75, when I moved up here. And I coached running and skiing out here until 2000. And uh, I spent my life on these trails, so it's like a home to me, you know. It's, uh, I'm so glad to see you and Matt Pauley, you know, trying to get some recognition for this, for all of the people who helped make it happen. Well, it's certainly a popular trail system. I mean, I came out here last night skiing, and there were hundreds of junior Nordic kids uh, skiing down by service. Uh, you have uh, the, the more formal training groups like Alaska Pacific University and Alaska Winter Stars out here training every night and pretty much throughout the day. You have the service high ski team using these trails. And then just recreational skiing, it's not many cities in the world that have such a uh, developed close by uh, trail system that's right in the city. I mean, perhaps Oslo and some other uh, large cities where there's a big skiing tradition have something close, but this is very unique, especially in the United States. Oh, absolutely, you know, I've, I've gone to World Masters around the world and stuff. And we are so fortunate and lucky here. And I have to tell you, I view it because of the three godfathers. Mice, Mahaffey, and Berkey. Yeah. You know, all of the little steps to make this, both Hillside and Kincaid happen. You know, we are so lucky, and that all comes from Sven. Well, how did you get involved? In 1971, that's when these trails got built. What's the story surrounding that? I, I understand that you were heavily involved in the construction of the trails in 71, uh, and can you tell us about that? Well, I guess the way to start out is, I got hired in the summer of 71 because Dick Mize, was, I grew up in Gunnison, Colorado, and he knew who I was and he knew because I was on the ski team. And so there was a new school and in July, I got a long distance phone call and got hired. And I didn't, you know. They, and, and Dick oh, Mize was at Diamond High School at the time? He was an uh, administrator at Diamond, but okay. he called the, the principal, Rick Arndt, at service called and asked him, and so Dick recommended it. So I got hired, and it was like, I just astound sometimes that I ended up up here. Because <laughs> you were Seth originally from Colorado. Gunnison and Crested Butte were okay. 10 coached. I went to school, but gosh, you know, Adam, I've lived on these trails since 71, you know, my whole life, you know, and I was so lucky to end up up here. I was 74 years old, had 24 surgeries, artificial <laughs> joints, heart surgeries, tumors, and I'm still out here all by slower than dog poo. <laughs> but it's, I'm so lucky, you know, to have gotten to spend my life in this place doing this. Well, can you tell us a little bit about where we are now? We've just climbed uh, one of the uh, 
We're, we've been going uphill since Spence, since uh, Service High School. And one thing I will say is that I really like starting skiing at Service High School because when you start there, especially if it's really cold, all the trails go uphill from there. So if you, you get out of the up. car. Yes, you'll warm up. And then generally, once you get warm, you can stay warm. It's kind of a tough thing if you start skiing and you have to immediately go downhill for a few minutes, you get freeze, you get freezing cold and then you can't warm up. So it's really nice to, to have been able to go up since we started. And we're now skiing up a trail. We've come just through an intersection. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about that intersection and where we're skiing now? Well, we're at, we just passed Conversation Corner. We're going up what I used to call Bessie's Uppy after my friend who was here best. This used to be a lot steeper, but the Nordic Club graded it out and widened it. And, you know, it's not as hard as, as it used to be. And so this is so this is generally called Beshi Uppy. Yes, okay. on the Besh Loop. And we're still in the burn. Yes. Yeah, and we'll probably be in the burn for another uh, half a kilometer or so clear before we up, get out there. Uh, the burn went clear up over the top, almost to cut you, coaches cut off. Okay. And so was the original trail that you uh, built with the Moorlines and the Richters and uh, and the Mises and, and everybody and all the families of the of the service high school kids, did that trail basically follow where we are now, or was it substantially different from where it's we are now? It's been changed some. Some of it, where we were, we were where we're at right now. We did this, but like I mentioned to you on the phone the other night, when we're going to come up here. Uh, the first couple years, we went down and to the left and straight up this hill over here. It was like a 100-yard herringbone hill, but they rerouted it because it was so steep they couldn't keep snow on it. Okay. And it was a pretty hard hill. And we're, uh, yeah, we're about to go down a hill. Uh, we'll see whether the recorder picks up a lot of wind noise or whether we're actually went able right to... right over through it went that way, Adam. Oh, to the left there. Yeah. And, and so that was the original trail. anymore that it goes there. But I wish you could see it because it's so, it was so different. Uh, you know, it was a steep, hard, narrow hill like the trails. They weren't highways like they are now. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, let's head down this one and we'll head to the bottom of the next uh, kind of a steep uphill. So we're cruising downhill now. This uh, next hill has had three names by the kids and people over the years. It was called originally Switchback Hill. And then it was called, uh, what was it, uh, Heart Attack Hill. A guy had a heart attack and died up on top, and his family actually made a bed, so I don't know the guy's name. Hmm. Up here. And, and so, how many ski trails are there here at, uh, here at Hillside? I well, mean, do you know the, the total length of the trail system? Well, the first year they put a five in, 5K. Two years later, they rerouted it, the original 5K, and added what's called the, the Richter Loop and uh, with BLM Ridge, another 5K loop. And then it was probably uh, in the 80s, I think, when Jim Galanis and Bill Spencer laid out the Spencer Loop. Uh, and designed it, and it went in, you know, more of a world-class trail up above Hilltop there. And do you think I was put in around, was it around 88 that that trail it went in? It could be, yeah, I'm not sure on, on the date on that. I do know 
since Billy was one of my kids, you know, I it's a sense of pride that what he has accomplished to be an Olympian, not marathon record holder for nearly 40 years, and that, and then to have a trail named by the Nordic Club after him. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of these and, and these, a lot of the trails here. There's the Besch Loop. There's Corbin's Grade, named after you. There's the Richter Loop, the Spencer Loop. Uh, the majority of trails around here. There's there's Jan's Corner. Uh, there's a lot of trails here. Most of the trails are named after people. Yes. I guess which is a testament to the people who are involved in in the development of these trails. I a lot of those names came to me and there are even more. The Nordic Club did not choose to utilize all of them, but that's, that's why I did that. And I stuck my name way out there on that one, that little hill on the Richter Loop, because that's where I passed Chris Haynes in 74, the Arctic Winter Games. So it was a special place for me, <laughs> but I should have done it in here in the, on the best loop where everybody skis. Oh yeah, right, <laughs> right. Because not so many people make it over to that trail. That trail is a- um, Classic a only. Classic only. So uh, you've got skating, uh, which is one style of cross country, one modern style of cross country skiing. And you have classic. Classic being the type of skiing where you put grip wax underneath your, the middle of your skis so you can grip. It's sort of the traditional uh, look of cross country skiing. And then you have skating, and these trails were, I guess, not really, not anywhere near this wide until skating came around because skating necessitated the yeah, widening so of the trails. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a whole different game. It's faster, usually faster style. And yeah, you just, because your ski tips are sprayed out, you need more room or you're gonna be hanging up in the trees. Well, it's also getting so that uh, we have enough people out here skiing every day, especially in the evenings. The after work crowd is huge. You almost need the width just to accommodate the hundreds of people that are out here every night, it seems. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, even if everybody's classic skiing, you've got so many hundreds of people out here on a typical weeknight, uh, never mind Saturdays or when there's events going on like races. And uh, so it seems like the trails are, they have to be wide just to accommodate how popular the, the sport has become and how, how popular these uh, these trails have become. I think part of the reason the popularity that this, this trail system is so popular is because it's so proximate to so many people who exactly. live, live around here. Yes. Um, well, you're listening to uh, Outdoor Explorer here on Alaska Public Radio. I'm Adam Verrier. I'm your host today. And today we are skiing at the Hillside Trail System I'm skiing with Tom Corbin, who was uh, one of the original, one of the people originally involved in uh, and responsible for creating this trail system. And I want to ask you, Tom, in 1971, can you tell us what the circumstances were uh, that caused you to get involved? You were the ski coach at the time. You started to, to tell that story. I was hired to coach running and skiing along with Tom Bash at Service Handshoe Junior Senior High School trying to teach, coach, parent, and stay on the national team. So you were straight out of college and on straight the national team? Straight out of college, okay. and yeah. Young, dumb, and you know, overextended, but the trail used to go right up there, Adam. Oh, to the left here. 
Yeah. And you can't see it now here at all. Oh, but you could do it in the summer. Okay. But, uh, and when you go to the top of that hill and go down it, the first year in November, Tom Bash and I got chased by three wolves for about 300 yards. Wolves? Yes. Oh. I got, I was getting ready to climb a tree with my skis on. We were yelling and waving our arms and we could stay ahead as long as it's downhill. But so, you know, fortunately they veered off. <laughs> I thought that was, you know, going to buy the farm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't see so many wolves out here these days. No, I have. That's the only time I've ever seen wolves actually on this ski trail. Hmm. November 71. Three gray ones. Well, so you were you were asked to uh, to help, and and who asked you to help build these trails? It was the Moorlines uh, and the Richters. That... Judy Moorline. When I showed up, I got hired to teach and coach, and I got a call from Judy when, because I was on the national team, U.S. Uh, she was a Alaska Division USSA president, and she was very polite, very cordial, welcomed me, but said, "Oh, and also." We're building this trail. We need you to show up and help, and help, you know, with our kids that are gonna volunteering there. So I basically just did what I was told. <laughs> you know, I tell you, old George Morley was a tough old guy. You know, and he uh, he and Don Richter actually drove snow machines and set with a sled behind his hat the first couple years before the Nordic Club hired Gene Mimack who, I don't know, he was amazing. The, well, he's the first trail setter that I remember, probably for 10 years before Tom Peacock in the, for the Nordic Ski Club. And so did you guys go out and get permits? I think you alluded I to did the fact not. that... Uh, I never did anything. I just showed up, took a tool, did the little section I was told to do, and... <laughs> That's, uh, but like I say, you know, my Mahaffey, Berkey, and you know, the, the parents, they did all of the legwork. Judy is dead now, Don is dead now, but I, that's why I, I put their names on the trail, because I just think they should be recognized. Yeah. So you said that there wasn't much oversight back then. Was it? This wasn't municipality land, this is borough land, was that right? Yeah, I forget the exact year. Probably Jerry Walton could tell you. He took over, I think he was the next one after Lou Strutz, Parks and Recreation Director. But, yeah, we switched, but it was Greater Anchorage Arrow Borough back then. Okay, and so you just came out here and uh, basically fired up the machinery and went to work and cut a trail yeah, and, it wasn't and nobody really said anything. like caterpillars. Right. <laughs> it was chainsaws and Pulaski's. Okay. And, you know, and clippers. Yeah. You know. And so it must have been a pretty rough trail back then. Oh. You needed, how much snow did you need to go skiing? Well, I mean, yeah. Well, we had more snow, it seemed like, you know. But, yeah, you couldn't, like now you could ski on three or four inches, you know, it would be pretty darn good. You couldn't do that. You needed a foot or two no. at least. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Well, and we're, now we're at a place, uh, we're up by Abbott Road where the trail comes close to Abbott Road. This is called, this is called the Besh Loop, the Besh Lighted yeah. Loop. Is that, that right? The, okay. This Lighted Loop is referred to. And right here, right ahead of it, what's interesting is right where you pull into Hilltop Ski Area, that used to be right there off of Abbott. Yeah. That used to be Hilltop 
ski area. There were two rope toasts right there. Right, okay. Yeah. In the very beginning, and the ski trail we came out and around it, actually going backwards to right where you go over here. Yeah. And went around through there. Okay. And yeah. then turned around and came back down. Double stick ride was the, the little gradual down here. <laughs> okay. I would. I thought it was important back. We didn't have, you know, cell phones and stuff like that back then. So I. I don't know if you know what a ditto machine is. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. You know, I yeah. I made ditto maps for the kids. Mimeographs, and right? Put, yeah, mimeographs. I put names on them. So the kids would know, you know, okay, we're meeting at, you know, Moorline Hill today, or we're meeting at Oh No Downhill at 3.30 or whatever, you yeah. know. Well, let's, uh, let's ski down this hill and then uh, pick it back up when we get to the bottom of the hill. This is kind of a fast downhill. We're going to ski uh, down toward, I think it's called Jan's Junction yes. uh, these days. And uh, it's going to be tough to talk while we're flying downhill, <laughs> going 30 miles an hour. So maybe we'll just go and do that, and then we'll pick back up in just a moment. I'm Adam Verrier on Outdoor Explorer. And you're listening to my conversation with, uh, with Tom Corbin here on the Hillside Trail Systems here in Anchorage. You're listening to Outdoor Explorer on Alaska Public Media. Find the show anytime as a free podcast in the iTunes store or connect with us online at alaskapublic.org. I'm your host, Adam Verrier, here on Outdoor Explorer on Alaska Public Media. I'm out here on the Hillside Trail System today, skiing with Tom Corbin. Tom was one of the original builders of the trail system back in 1971. This year is the 50th anniversary of this trail system. So Tom, you were telling me earlier, and I've noticed, there are some old trail cut-throughs. It looks like some of the, the place where maybe you originally cut the trail they're pretty much overgrown now but you can still see them if you look close oh, absolutely yeah there's several places like that and actually we are going up the down trail from over where the you know uh, hilltop right by Abbott used to be okay what's the it, name of this trail that we're on now we've just come through Jan's Junction I think it's called I don't and, know if there's a name presently on this, but okay. we used to call this double stick ride. Double stick ride. Because and it's, it's a gradual downhill, and back then on wood skis, because you just get on it, you could really kind of kind of cruise, just double pulling. Yeah, so we're going up this gradual uphill, but this used to be the gradual downhill. Were the trails- Correct. This the, is my wolf place. This is a wolf place, okay. And did you, uh, were the trails originally built as, as one-way trails or as two-way trails? No, no, one-way, right from okay. the get-go. Right from the beginning. Yeah, I suppose they were narrow enough. If you met somebody on a downhill and they were coming up, it was gonna be trouble. I will, one thing I will say, it has subsided and calmed down, but the first few years especially, it was like the Hatfields and the McCoys with snow machiners and skiers, because snow machiners took a long time to recognize that, okay, these are ski-only trails. And oh, everybody yeah. who was here back then, they got war stories to tell. <laughs> so, the, yeah, it was kind of the Wild West back then, I suppose. 
you had snow machiners probably coming over from Stuckigan Heights. Oh yeah, they rode and riding all over the hillside and you know down around BLM and stuff. And, uh, and now it's not legal to ride a snow machine within the municipality. Uh, right. Chugach State Park would be the closest place up at the top right. of the hillside. But you know it wasn't legal back then. But because they had been doing it before, any place they wanted to, it was just hard to kind of train the public, in my opinion. Yeah. Were there dog mushing trails within? They were down, yeah, down where they're at now. The same they place? They were there, yeah. Okay. They were there before us. Is that right? When did you know when the dog mushing trails were established? I don't know, but when we moved up here, like down on the other side of the airstrip at BLM, the dog trails were there because I used to marvel at watching, you know, the fur on the races and stuff. Yeah, so that must have been, it was long before these ski trails yeah, so were Yeah, so they've been doing and, you know, you hear story, heard stories about George Atla and Doc Lombard, you know, and all of them. They're yep. like, uh, you know, folk heroes where I moved up here. And they were racing off Tudor Road. Uh, of course, back when those trails were established, Tudor Road would have been semi-wilderness. Uh, yeah, and Stucky and Heights Road. But, yeah, they and, yeah, they didn't have the bridge then. They would, you know, block traffic and cross Tudor Road. You know, for the Ferrandi races that started downtown. Yeah. Now they use that nice bridge going over Tudor. So the the trails when you first built them, uh, there was they were narrower than now. Uh, you started with a 5K trail, and then did the trails the trails expanded from from there gradually over over a period of years, or how did that yeah, work out? Yeah. Uh, I think it was '73, about the time Kincaid went in. <coughs> that the Nordic Club developed, you know, the outer 5K. That went in, and then, like we, I mentioned to you before, 10, 15 years later, Galanis and Billy, you know, laid out the, uh, yeah, the Spencer route. Yeah, Billy Spencer. Yes. And so where is the outer 5K? Are we on that now, or is that no. the Ridge and the Richter loop? We're, uh, we'll come back up here to the parking lot by, uh, uh, inner hilltop there, and that first hill you go up, one of the names I put on there, that's, uh, that was Moorline Hill, that first little one right out of the parking lot. The little more. steep one. Yep. Yeah, okay. And I, uh, Stacy Boone was telling me last night that there's still a sign, kind of a paper sign there, but I wasn't even aware. I guess I'm too old and <laughs> puffing and puffing just to get up the hill. A new paper sign, or one that's uh, survived since yeah. uh, since the 70s. Yeah, it's got to be a new paper. Yeah, <laughs> right. But I wish that they'd get some, you know, some permanent signs to honor those. Some of those people. Yeah. Well, one of the people that you mentioned was Sven Wick. Uh, you said that Sven, that you thought that Sven Wick, uh, who I don't believe has ever lived in Anchorage, no. was is the godfather. He is the reason that all these trails are here. In your opinion, with every fiber of my belief, being I believe that because of how he influenced people, taught them to love skiing, go out and be pioneers and be leaders. You know that, and that's what my Mahaffey and Berkey did. You know, and, and that's why we have these trails. Can you tell tell me a little bit about Sven Wick? I mean, Sven, where, who is he? Where is he from? Sven uh, Wick. Sounds like a Swedish name. Yes. Came over from Sweden to Gunnison, Colorado at Western State College in 1949. 
coached there through my last, his last year there was 1968 when I was at Western State and Gunnison moved to Steamboat, started the Scandinavian Lodge, multi-million dollar place. In Steamboat Springs, Colorado. Yes. Yeah. Sven has been mentor to all of us who went to Western State, but also countless other ski programs in the country. Hmm. You know, he just, he didn't just teach skiing, he taught a lifestyle and values. And you know, in turn, Miser, Mahaffey and Berkey went out and did that and influenced others. And like Sven, like Matt Pauley, who for the last 30 years has done trail work on these trails. I coached Matt, but I view Matt as a disciple of Sven. Because it's second, like Sven like, was the root of the tree. Yeah. So you consider Matt Pauley to be sort of second generation? Absolutely, third generation. Third generation, yes. right. Yeah, and, and, and the, the work that's being done on these trails has it seems to get more advanced all the time we've got heavy equipment out here now uh the trails get get wider you used to cut these when you first cut the trails it was pulaski's and and uh and chainsaws and, and clippers yep and now it's bulldozers yep. and uh and yeah, you they smooth stuff out we had to ski over it back then and and during the during the winter uh what did you use to groom ski trails in 1971 did you they even had use snow machines at all? The snow machine with a track sled behind. Oh, you did? For, for okay. one thing, you know, the trails were only about four or five feet wide. What, how wide is this? 30 yeah. feet? It's something like that. Yeah. It's big. Yeah. You could drive a Mercedes Benz yeah. down this trail. Uh, well, four wheel drive maybe. I've had both of my shoulders scoped because we used to have big baskets on cane poles. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, I do. Put, go over the top of a hill, a double pull, and the, the basket would catch on a tree, and the pole strap wouldn't break, <laughs> so your body would just swing out and up, you know, and <laughs> like your yeah. shoulder would come out of joint. Okay. <laughs> well, we're now starting, we've just uh, skied past the base of Hilltop Ski Area. When was Hilltop Ski Area built? Was that prior to the ski trails here? Or was no, that it came along. Like I said, the Hilltop Ski Area was actually two rope toes right down by the entrance off of Abbott Road. Yeah. They were only about 60, 70 yard toes. Okay, yeah. And then they actually, I'm guessing around late 70s is when, early 80s when, uh, Hilltop went in. Hmm. Right, the larger version of that ski area. Yeah, now where they've got a little chairlift. This is... So this is now Moorline Hill. Yes. And, and uh, purportedly there's a sign here someplace made a paper that says Moorline Hill. We'll see if we see it on the way up here. Um, this is one of the steeper hills, one of the steepest hills at Kincaid, or not at Kincaid, at Hillside, actually. And was this used... When the when the original trail went in, was not I suppose, the original when okay. the ten, when Richter Loop went in. Yeah. Oh, so this was made for the Richter, or this for actually the was five the second 5K. The okay. second 5K. Yeah, the first 5K went in. Then when the Nordic Club put in the second 5K, Moorline Hill 
it is. Okay, so this was originally part of the Richter Loop and was a really narrow trail then. Yes. Okay. Well, it certainly isn't uh, like that well, now. Well, gosh darn. There it is. J.C. Boo told me <laughs> that there, that's a big sign. And that's I, a big sign. I think it's made out of metal. my head's always down on the hill. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think that's paper or anything. I think that's uh, made out of steel. So uh, there it is. Well, I thought maybe if you're up for it, if you're interested, maybe we could head out on the Richter. This is where, if we were oh. to take a left, we're on the top of Moorline Hill. If we take a left, we would continue around the Besh Lighted Trail. And how long is the Lighted Trail? Do we have seven or eight kilometers of Lighted? There must be now. Yeah. Because there's 5K and then with this, yeah, it's gotta be at least about 7K. When were, Six, the, lights, when were the lights put in, do you think? Uh, they went in in sections. That inner Bessie loop went in first, because I told you that story about with the snow machiners down. Junior Nordic didn't go in until four or five years later. But I'm not sure on the exact date. You'll have to forgive me. I've seen all. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a lot to remember. Um, <laughs> so, so, but we're now on the lighted trail, and the Richter loop turns off to the right. And, uh, and heads down onto some trails that are for classic skiing only. And what's the purpose of classic? Well, why not allow skating down there? That well, was... for one, I think what has happened, they won. you know, there, when skating came in, there was a lot of, you know, uh, fighting about, you know, skating, and it's not pure cross-country skiing, classic is, and that's back and forth, and neither merits to both sides, but, I think part of the reason is that this is classic only is that unlike when we cut these original trails, now it is so difficult to get all of your bureaucracy to allow to widen the trails out. Yeah. Or at least that's what I've been told by some of the kids I coach, you know, who are still involved. So you think if this was uh, 1971, that trail would just We'd be just whatever you want it, it to be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we would, you know, they'd have got a permit, but we would have done it. Okay, yeah, yeah, just go out and do it. I actually did that some when I was coaching running, you know. And I used to mark the trails with a football limer the whole way, and then finally I was told, oh, you can't do that. And the rain would wash the lime out, but basically, no, you can't do that. But I got pictures from that in the burn area. Oh, right, okay, yeah. I think I've seen those pictures, yeah, yeah running through the burn. Right. Well, should we head down? Uh, should we head down the Richter Trail? Okay, what do you say? young man, you uh -huh. go first. Okay, well, this I'm is gonna... like a cow on ice. <laughs> Maybe we'll take another short break because we're going to go down something that's kind of fast, and uh, we'll probably get some uh, wind noise in the recorder. So again, I'll say that I'm Adam Verrier. You're listening to Outdoor Explorer. I'm skiing with Tom Corbin today here on the on the uh, the Hillside Trail System.
All right, we're back. I'm Adam Verrier. You're listening to Outdoor Explorer. I'm skiing with Tom Corbin today. It's a beautiful day in the middle of December. It's about 25 degrees outside. It snowed last night, another inch. It's been a great winter so far. And uh, I took the opportunity with this good, the good trail conditions we have out here, the good snow conditions, to come out and meet Tom Corbin, one of the original builders of the trail back in 1971. It's the 50th anniversary of this, of the hillside trail system. And uh, Tom, right now, we're at the, we've come down the, the hill that goes into the, onto the Richter Trail, and we're at the, convert, at the, at the, uh, the confluence of the Richter, at the, what, the, the Ridge, the Ridge Trail, BLM Ridge Trail, and the Richter Loop. Uh, the Ridge Trail goes off to the right and skis up a big hill and then comes back. Is this, was, when were these tra trails built? These were like, uh, these were actually in by the time we had Arctic Winter Games in 74, because I told you a story about, because I passed Chris over on. Yeah, over here. On, on this, the Richter yeah. Hill. So that was, a, that was why I chose that place. But these were, yeah, these had to have gone in before the winter of 73, 74. So these and were relatively early. These were an add-on yes. to the original 5K It was like loop. two years later after the first 5K went in. Okay. And what we're going to turn right here and go away. And the Nordic Club doesn't have a sign, but this big steep herringbone yeah, hill. Yeah. We, the kids used to call that Boat Hill, and that's what we had on the map. Because okay. you had to herringbone it. Stacy yeah. says he's uh, classic top it, but I, I don't believe him. I have to, <laughs> I, maybe you can. But the other thing was, in the original 10K, these two hills were the hardest. Boat Hill, and then the outer one, which the Nordic Club calls BLM, the kids used to call, and I put that on the map because that's what they called it, was called Big Long Mama because it was definitely the toughest hill on the original 10K. Right, so BLM. Like, yeah, uh, not Big Bureau, Long Mama, right, not, not Bureau, Bureau Land Management. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a choice here. We can, go, uh, we can go around the Ridge Trail or we can go on the Richter Trail. Which do you prefer? Well, actually, if you want to go, I putz around because this is just, this is now my home ground about... <laughs> On top of BLM Ridge, you know the drop-off? Yeah. That used to have a bump, and you used to get air off of it. Yeah. And they graded it out, but the kids called it Oh No Downhill. Oh No Downhill. <laughs> because everybody crashed. Okay. It was Oh No. <laughs> and right under that, the coaches used to call it uh, Loafer's Hideaway. And you'll right. see why, because it's kind of an easy, secluded, double-pulling section after that. So... Yeah, let's go around. If you okay, have let's time, do it. let's sure. go do it. Sure, I got it. time. I got all day. I got nothing else going on. Let's go do it. Lead all on, right. young man. <laughs> so this trail, when, when it was put in, was it put in for the Arctic Winter Games in 1974? Or was, there, was it just here and you used it because it was here? Um, that, you would have to ask Berkey and Mize and those guys. I had nothing to do with that, you know, actually going in. I just know I was coaching, running at skiing at service. The trail went in and I used it. Uh, but yeah, we've been using this since, since 74. Okay, and this trail, uh, I can describe this trail for listeners. This is a quite a bit narrower trail, but even though this is considered a narrow trail and it's only suitable for cross country or for, for classic skiing because if you were to skate on this trail, you'd probably get your ski tip stuck in the snowbanks on both sides of the trail. But I would guess that this trail is still far wider than any trails that exactly. you built in the early 70s. I just read my mind. <laughs> I was just thinking that. Yes. And this is actually smoother. 
you had to learn know how to change up back then if you know what that is you know like skipping a pole on one side right because of the bumps well that's the th you know that and i think that skiing is a sport which like most sports uh it's changing gradually from one type of sport into another type of sport i i would say that cross-country skiing back in the back in 1971 when these trails were established was more of a technique but more of a technical sport and more of a fitness sport and now i i think i would say it's a power endurance sport i, would I mean you got you. strong skiers yes and they're just powering their way at high speed uh through this through the terrain so when you say changing up i think that's a a skill that on modern trails isn't so necessarily People like people hardly even know what it is anymore yeah but you had to well the other thing i think that has changed is that and you've mentioned that you've got a lot of downhills there's oh no hill uh that i think we're going to be going on before too long but you know these trails for the downhills were pretty technical and difficult oh yes but the bumps and turns at the bottom <laughs> right but the um but the uh, the speeds were much lower also, I think. Yes. So the consequences of, of wrecking maybe weren't nearly as great as they are now. Unless you hit a stump underneath like <laughs> Steve Ryan did. Okay. And so what's the story with, with that? On Ryan's Hill, uh, it would have been winter of 73. A kid named Steve Ryan, who still lives here, I think he's 66 now, fell on Ryan's hill, hit a stump on his bottom, put 40 stitches. Oh no! You know, his teammates, coaches getting him to the hospital, uh, he actually ended up going to MIT. <laughs> Real smart kid. Yeah, 40 stitches. Uh, so from, was he, the stump in the trail or beside the trail? No, he fell, hit a stump in the trail. <laughs> you know, it was kind of, there was a stump down at the bottom. Because we, like I said, it was just trails were a lot rougher then. They didn't have, you know, the immaculate construction that the Nordic Club provides us now. Yeah, yeah. I would think also, you know, you were talking earlier about about uh, back 50 years ago, uh, maybe it was a little looser. You didn't necessarily get permits for every time, every time you started up a chainsaw and cut some trees down. Obviously now that's not gonna be something you could really do. Uh, but the other thing that, that makes me, that, that brings to mind the, the idea of, of liability and I think maybe falling and getting 40 stitches in your butt from hitting a stump that's in the trail uh, is maybe something that's wouldn't be the legal department at the Nordic Ski Association might not like exactly. that sort of situation so much. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, you know, I just marvel at, you know, now, you know, I was teaching a coach in 2000 or 71 to 2000, but I just, I so empathize with the people who are still in the trenches, you know, putting their heart and soul into the classroom and in on, out on the field, you know, that things are so, you know, you're so much more liable. You get sued for things even when you're doing the very best you can and really making a sincere effort, Yeah. you know, to contribute to the good of everybody. Like this, like this, when you think of this hill, it's kind of deceptive. 
from right back there, you're climbing all the way to the top of BLM Ridge. So yeah, we're now nearing the, the top of the uphill, or we're nearing the last uphill and the biggest no, uphill. No, we're not to the top. On... We got a ways to go. Right, <laughs> okay. But we're on BLM Ridge and we've just arrived at the, I guess the steepest hill out here on BLM Ridge, yeah. or maybe not the steepest, but yeah, the longest. This is the biggest hill on the original first 10K. Okay, so you would start at service and then uh, if you did this whole trail, the original five and the ridge and the Richter loop, you would be going 10 kilometers. Is that yes. right? When you get back to service? You got a full 10K in. Okay. And that's the way the typical races were back then, I suppose. Yeah, a lot of 10 and 15, up to 10 for the juniors. Uh, out here, usually for the divisional races, it was just 15K okay. race. Back then, usually two loops. A lot of times we wouldn't do this, just two of the inner seven and a half. Oh, to make a 15K? Yeah. And where was the inner seven and a half? That started uh, service. Yeah, just cut out the BLM bridge loop. Okay. Oh, we got some, got some guys coming by here. Let these guys go by. It's like some interval training going on here. Hey, I'll trade your bodies. <laughs> I don't think he's going to take you up on that, Tom. <laughs> so, so now we've uh, we've just finished. I guess we're we're only halfway up this the final hill on this trail. And to our right, what do we have? We there are no more ski trails. Uh, off to our right now. No, there's a right here on this right at right above us here. The this is uh, not brown bear, but what is it? Black bear. You know the mountain bike right. trails. Okay, and, and that turns crosses. Off. So that's it right here then, I guess. Yes. Okay. I guess I never even really uh, realized that the black bear. It's called the black bear trail. Yeah. Okay. And you know, one of the people I really admire for, you know, getting a lot of the mountain bike trails is Dennis Tower. Dennis Tower? Yeah. Okay. She yeah. went to service high school, uh, was an alpine skier. Her husband's an orthopedic surgeon. Oh, I'm sorry, you said Janice. Janice Tower. Janice yes. Tower, yeah. yeah. But she's done a lot with the development of mountain biking, mighty bikes. The programs for the little kids. Yeah. Oh, we hey, got another racer coming through. Way to go. <laughs> oh, good luck. <laughs> he looked pretty good going through there. What do you think would have become of this area if it hadn't been developed with ski oh, trails? It'd be a subdivision. Yeah? Yeah, just like the rest of the hillside. Right, because it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it was Muni land. Yeah, yeah. Or Borrow land. Yeah. If it hadn't been borough land, which is now Muni, it'd be, look at all these houses. I'll bet there were only, I'll bet there were fewer than 10 lights at night on the hillside when I moved up here. Oh, really? In 71? Yeah. Wow. Above hillside. So this being borough land, certain, yeah, they may have made the decision to just uh, uh, not so designate it as parkland, yeah. but, uh, but instead just allow development. And I do know with some of my friends who were up here during the earthquake that lived over in Turnigan, they actually got property 
up here close to service, you know, west of service, you know, exchanged out after all of that. But the way it just exploded population-wise, yeah, that's one of those things that whoever was responsible back then, they designated this parkland. Thank you. Yeah, it's, well, it's certainly, I mean, it contributes to the value of these, of, of this side of town immensely. I, this, oh, man. This side of town it would be completely different without the trail system here for for mountain biking and for, as you said earlier, horseback riding and walking and bird watching and everything else that happens out here. There must be, there must be thousands of users every day. Oh yeah. Doing a variety of uses out here, not just cross country skiing, but all the other activities. Well, if you head over to the north edge of Hilltop, even during weekdays, there's Buku people out there. Yeah. We've just uh, gotten off the BLM Ridge Trail. We're back on the Richter Loop and now we're going up another gradual uphill. Uh, there's a trail out here named after you. Isn't it? We're not on Corbin's grade yet, are no, we? We've no, go, we've got two more bumps and then you'll hit strut slide oh, down strut to the slide. bottom. Okay. And that long gradual uphill is the one I stuck my own name on out of vanity. Right. <laughs> because usually Chris Haynes beat me. He made 76 Olympic team, I didn't. But I beat him in Arctic Winter Games on that hill. Yeah. <laughs> so when I would put names on the map, that's why I picked it. Right, because that was the that was the historical spot for me. Only. Yeah. Right. Welcome back. I'm Adam Verrier. You're listening to Outdoor Explorer on Alaska Public Media. We're out here. Uh, we're skiing on the hillside trail system. I'm with Tom Corbin, one of the original builders of the trail system. We're on the on the far end of the of the uh, BLM Ridge Trail, and uh, now we've got a, a downhill that Tom was telling me about earlier. It's called Oh No Downhill. Uh, we had uh, we had an injury back here, back on this trail, 30, 40, well, I guess it's been 40, almost 50 years ago. And uh, maybe we'll try it out today, see what happens. Let her there, rip. There we go. There we go. We'll see if we can do it they at full speed. It yeah, it's a little easier now than then. Well, I don't see any big, big bumps out here now. I think they've all been graded out. Uh, there never has been a bulldozer on this trail, to my knowledge. Maybe I'll ask Tom about that when he gets down here. Um, but this trail certainly a little more rustic than some of the newer uh, bulldozed trails that are so popular. And the lighted trail, for example, at, here at Hillside that uh, gets so much use every night and on weekends throughout the winter. It's certainly one of the most popular trails here in Anchorage. And for skiing, it's one of the biggest trail systems. So Tom should be coming down here behind me in just a little bit. And we'll, uh... there he is. Ah, you made it down. No, no tragedy this time. Uh, yeah, they, uh, you know, there was a knoll in the middle. We used to get air off of it, but the Nordic Club 
you know, a bat, I could tell you about that, but they leveled it out where, but it used to be a lot more dramatic. And now this trail, I think you referred to this as, uh, is the hideaway place or yeah. something like that? We used to, coaches, we'd call it loafers hideaway, because, you know, coaches usually hide out on the trail, try to catch kids, but they're not really pushing as hard as <laughs> they could be, you know, and, and scare them. So we called it loafers hideaway. So this wasn't the uh, the kids hiding away, this is the coaches well, actually, hiding away. I never thought of it. I, I called it loafers hideaway because yeah, the kids where they, they let off the gas during yeah. the race. <laughs> you had to come out here and scold them. Yes, you know, <laughs> kind of like a cow prod. Right. <laughs> Get it going. Yeah. So Tom, going looking forward, you've been involved, uh, you were involved in the, uh, you've been involved with the trails ever since, both at Service High School and you ski the trails probably just about every day. Uh, where, do you, where do you see the, the future going for this trail system? Is there any, do you have any, it's almost Christmas, do you have any big uh, Christmas uh, wishes for the, for the Hillside I would like system? to see those family and people that I've already mentioned recognized and if the Nordic Club is able to actually put some signs up recognizing them, you well, know, for their contributions. Because I've, this is like my baby, I've watched, I've lived on it, I've done my little part, but it's just, you know, this is home for me. I, I was adopted. I have no family. So this is my home. But, you know, I really feel partial to this, Adam. I don't know. Maybe that sounds kind of hokey, but. No, no. It's, it's uh, I mean, it's, I think it's, it's those types of sentiments that get trail systems like this built the way they're built. And it keeps them going when people are in love with the trail systems. And exactly. I, think, I think that's been clear out here talking to you today. And I really appreciate you taking the time to come out here and go skiing with me around. We must have skied, uh, oh, skied almost six or eight kilometers probably <laughs> in, the last, in the last hour. And I really appreciate you taking the time to, to come out and talk to me today. Well, thank you for, for having me. It's been my pleasure. Well, I'm Adam Barrier. You've been listening to Outdoor Explorer here on Alaska Public Radio. And I would like to thank Eric Bork for producing the show, and I will see you outdoors. Outdoor Explorer is a production of KSKA Public Radio in Anchorage, Alaska. Theme music is by Portugal, The Man. Views expressed are those of the participants and do not reflect the station or its underwriters. You can find Outdoor Explorer on Facebook and in your favorite podcast app. To see what's coming up on Outdoor Explorer and add your voice to the conversation, go to our website at alaskapublic.org. Life Informed, this is Alaska Public Media.